What's up, my friends? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast, broadcasting live on this Friday afternoon. We're going to be dropping this podcast late Friday night. We're going to be promoting more heavily this podcast early Saturday. We've got a lot of things that are going on, uh, and that's why we were found it imperative to kind of rush this one to release. Um, we've got Tropical Storm Cristobal in the Gulf of Mexico, or almost back in the Gulf of Mexico. By the time you listen to this, it will be back in the Gulf of Mexico. Forecast models and tracks take it our way. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to have DJ Rhett on the phone lines. Uh, DJ Red, obviously, a social media phenomenon locally. He's got you know tons and tons of videos, hundreds of thousands of likes and shares. We're going to talk to DJ Red about his career, the things that he does, where's the inspiration for all of his videos come from, and all that good stuff. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Then on a more you know quote unquote serious business topic, we will have South Lafouche Levy District Executive Director Wendell Curall on. He's going to talk to us about. Hey, there's a storm in the Gulf. Are our levees ready? Uh, he's going to give us a rundown of some progress that has been made. One thing that the levee systems have done, uh, they've taken full advantage of this wonderful spring weather with limited rainfall. They've done a lot, a lot of work. So we're more ready now than what we've been in years past. Wendell's going to talk to us about that. Um, and then in between, we're going to talk a little bit of COVID, and then we're going to wrap up the show with a sports update. Drew Brees has apologized for his comments that he made about disrespecting the American flag. And um, I actually took the time. I've called out AEW quite a bit on this show. Uh, and their fans have lambasted me, said that I'm not giving them a fair shake. I took the time on Wednesday to watch their entire episode cover to cover. I'm going to give an honest evaluation of what I thought. And um, so we're going to do that at the back end of the show as well. But we're going to start with Cristobal and then some COVID. And then we're going to take a break and get to our calling guest. And then we'll close out with the update involving uh, sports. Cristobal is currently on the uh, tail end of Mexico's coast. It's about ready to get back into the Gulf of Mexico. By the time you're listening to this, these numbers are going to be dated. But the the 1 o'clock advisory had it uh, 20.5 degrees north. 89.8 89.8 degrees west, moving north at 12 miles per hour. Maximum sustained winds at 40 miles an hour. A couple of things to pay attention to. Uh, yes, the forecast guidance does take the storm in this direction. Yes, it does take the storm almost over Terrebonne Parish, almost sort of at the Terrebonne-St. Mary border, um, which, and I'm, I'm going to try to think of a way to say this that doesn't sound like I'm just blowing smoke up your ass because usually that would be like the worst possible you know, track for a storm to take. Um, but the National Hurricane Center has said that with Cristobal, you guys, if you hear some noise behind me, I, neighbors are building a house across the street and they're literally on their roof right now doing some drilling and sawing. And so that's what the background noise is, if you guys could hear it. Um, but the National Hurricane Center said in their advisories that um, this is a storm that most of the moisture and most of the winds and everything are outside of the center. So this is one where if you get hit head on, it might not be as bad because they're forecasting that the heaviest of the storm surge, the heaviest of the winds, the heaviest of the rains will be located to the east of the center. So if it does come right over us, yeah, we'll see some winds and, and everything like that. But that would mean that, you know, the overwhelming vast majority of the worst impacts would be over Mississippi and Alabama. Um, they still don't know all the way what's going to happen yet. Um, you know, the, the cone of air 
whenever we're two days out from landfall is usually very narrow. Now it's still wide. It, I mean, it stretches from, you know, the Louisiana-Texas border all the way into Mississippi. I mean, that's still a wide area. So we still don't know where this thing is going to end up. And anybody who claims to know where it's going to end up, it's, I mean, they're just lying to The computer model guidance, it's kind of tightening in on the Louisiana coast, so to speak. But, I mean, some models still take it towards, you know, Lafayette, Lake Charles. Some of them take it to our east. Some of them take it right down the gut, you know, of our area. So we don't know. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, some of the forecasts are um, calling for Cristobal to strengthen to 60 mile, per hour, 60 mile per hour maximum sustained winds at landfall. Um, I don't see it getting that strong. Maybe, maybe it does. Uh, again, I'm not a weatherman, man. I'm just going by what I see. Um, but I, I see a lot of the modeling um, and a lot of the models that are intensity models are saying that it will be far weaker that it's going to be, you know, 45, 50 miles per hour. And the reason being a forward speed um, after just kind of crawling around for a while, Cristobal has really picked up speed. Um, so that's good, less time over the water. And another reason is the conditions in the Gulf right now are not conducive to great tropical development. Um, like it's early June, this is not September, this is not August. Uh, water temperatures are not incredibly hot yet. In the Northern Gulf, there's still, you know, not even 80 degrees yet. And there's a ton of wind shear, ton of dry air. So what I'm trying to tell you, and again, I, I'm not a weather expert, but what I'm trying to tell you is that based on all the evidence that we've seen, all the evidence that we've been given, and all the guidance and the models that the National Hurricane Center are using, um, that you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and this thing will be a Category 2 hurricane. That's not, I don't think anybody thinks that's what's going to happen. Um, the National Hurricane Center uses 10 models to predict their forecasted intensity all 10 models have this thing staying a tropical storm at landfall none of the 10 have it becoming a hurricane so uh we'll just have to wait and see but it looks like conditions will kind of deteriorate on late night saturday early sunday morning and then this thing's going to look to make landfall afternoonish on sunday uh towards the night and then we're looking at you know a good 24 36 hours of rain uh it could be a good soaking uh if you've got ditches that you got some leaves in or you know whatever it may be uh clear them out unclog them as best you can um if you gotta put some shutters down go ahead and do that if you've got you know some light things on your porch or in your yard that could fly away easily lay them down pick them up put them in your shed do whatever you got to do take the normal precautions um grand isle has already issued a voluntary evacuation for its residents that is going to turn into a mandatory evacuation on tomorrow at 6 a.m. Um, I don't think that we're going to see anything of that sort in Lafouche. It may be a voluntary evacuation for low-lying areas, maybe even a mandatory evacuation for low-lying areas. But uh, in terms of um, you know wide-scale evacuations for Lafouche, I don't think that'll be in order. Uh, but we're going to talk to Wendell about that and some other things a little bit later in the show. So keep your eyes on Cristobal. It does look like it's going to impact Louisiana in some form or fashion how severe the impacts are going to be for our area. Too soon to tell. Um, right now, we're kind of smack dab in the middle of the bullseye. Um, but I caution you to put too much stock into that bullseye because that bullseye has changed three or four times in the last 24 hours. Yesterday, it was, oh, you know, in between Lake Charles and Lafayette. Then it crept a little bit closer to us. Then it went back further to the west. And then now it's right over us. And they don't know yet. It's all going to be based on the timing of that northwesterly jog Will that happen while the storm's still over water, in which case we're going to be farther away from the center? Will that happen after the storm makes landfall, in which case we may be right smack dab in the middle of the center? Um, 
We just don't know. But the good news is it's not expected to be a major ginormous storm or anything of that sort. And then also the good news is that we're going to be with you. LaFoucheGazette.com is going to be with you 100% of the way. I've got a hotspot, uh, so I'll have internet even if the power goes out. I'm going to charge my laptop to 100% capacity, which means that I'll be able to go for, shit, four or five hours straight without electricity. Uh, family has a generator. By the time that we would lose electricity for four or five hours, the generator would be hooked up, plugged in. Uh, so we'd be able to recharge the hotspot. Um, we're going to get through this. Uh, we're going to get through this together. And uh, I encourage you guys to keep it on the FushiGazette.com. Get our app. Um, whatever we've got to do to get information out there, we're going to do so. We're going to be with you guys. Uh, but this does look like a situation that's going to warrant our attention. And it does look like a situation that's going to kind of drown out our weekend a little bit, so to speak. Um, so just keep your eyes out. In terms of coronavirus numbers, I'm going to give you the latest of those. Um, a lot of you folks are going to be listening to this on Saturday. Um, so these are the numbers as of Friday. Um, but this is going to be this episode will be released before the Saturday numbers will be released. So these numbers are still going to pretty much be current. We've got 41,989 total COVID cases in the state of Louisiana. Uh, we jumped by about 400 today, which is about par for the course now. We were in that 250 slash 300 new case per day range when we were testing five, 6,000 people. Now we're testing 8,500, 8, 9,000 people a day. So the, the, the positive results have kind of taken a little bit of an uptick and that's to be expected. Um, but the percentage of our tests that are coming back positive is staying the same, which shows that the situation is staying the same, quite frankly, in the state as we move into phase two. Phase two started today. Uh, businesses are now 50% capacity, more things are open and yada, yada, yada. Um, so we are doing uh, better, continuing to make progress, doing better. And uh, now we've just got to be in a situation where uh, continuing to, to make the progress, continuing to build on the progress that we've built in the last couple of weeks. 2,801 people have died from COVID-19 in the state of Louisiana. The overwhelming vast majority of the people in the state who have died are 70 and above. Um, almost 1,900 of that 2,800 are 70 and above. And let's see, almost 2,400 of the 2,800 are 60 and above. So this remains a more serious problem in the elderly, and it remains a most serious problem in the elderly with pre-diagnosed conditions. Um, so one thing I want to stress is that we say often this is a problem that is most prevalent in the elderly, and it is. That's a factual statement. But what I want to stress to you all is that if your great aunt or great uncle or grandma and grandpa catches this and they're 76 years old, that doesn't mean that you need to start you know, planning a funeral either. There have been 7,228 patients ages 70 or older in the state who have uh, contracted COVID-19, and there have been almost 1,900 deaths. So yeah, they're, you know, they have the, by far the highest death rate, but that also still means that more than 5,000 of those people have recovered. So you still have greater than a 50-50 chance, far greater than a 50-50 chance. Um, so, you know, even if you're the elderly, you know, if you're an older person listening to this uh, and you catch it, um, we're praying for you and you are the most at-risk part of the population, but all portions of the population are still beating this more often than they're succumbing to this. And I just wanted to stress that in case of 
you know, you know a family member that's elderly that catches this or whatever it may be, yeah, it's a time for prayer and yeah, it's a time to, you know, take care of them and take care of yourself and your family and all that. Um, but I think that we as a media have done a poor job in illustrating that every single one of the age groups is beating this at a rate far greater than they're succumbing to this. So um, everybody's fighting, everybody's doing the best that they can. And I think, you know, as uh, our medical professionals are getting more experienced into what works, what doesn't work, we're doing a little bit of a better job. Um, 604 patients are hospitalized in Louisiana. 75 of those are on ventilators. Again, remarkable progress. Even as we've reopened, we've made consistent, steady, remarkable progress in our hospitalizations. At whenever we started phase one, our hospitalizations number was still greater than a thousand. Now we're approaching getting into the 500s. So the numbers continue to drop like a rock. Um, ventilator use continuing to go down. Uh, 75 patients on ventilators. So that's incredible to see um, as our situation continues to get more and more clear. Uh, and a reminder, and I do this every episode, it's going to sound like a broken record, but um, as new cases come in, that's inevitable. But what is not inevitable is, uh, you know, continuing to make progress in limiting the hospital beds that are in use. Um, we could add 500 new cases in the state in a day. And as long as, you know, just a handful of those have to get hospitalized, and as long as we're continuing to keep up with our hospital supply, we could continue to go forward in the reopening plan because the process of shutting down and then reopening was all about maintaining space in our hospital system. So as long as we're doing that, we're in good shape. 604 are hospitalized, 75 are on ventilators. Those numbers continue to go down and they go down at alarming rates and quite frankly, unexpected rates as we continue to make tremendous progress. In Lafourche Parish, 886 cases of COVID-19 have been diagnosed. And I wanna say, you know, I, and I don't mean to poke fun, uh, but earlier this week, everybody was messaging me and hollering and screaming that our cases were going to spike and Memorial Day is going to cause us to go back to phase one and we were going to be locked back down. And then we had a couple of restaurants close and a couple of grocery stores close. And then we had a day with 40 new cases. And I reported that it was because of a backlog in testing and everybody called me a liar and no, man, this person has it, that person has it, and all the cases are down to buy, and this thing is spreading, and oh my God, everything's going back to lockdown, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I, I told you guys that was ridiculous, and now our numbers in the last few days prove that that was ridiculous because our numbers have slowed tremendously since then. Uh, we've added just a handful of new cases since then. So relax, man. Like, I don't care what your Uncle Charlie says on Facebook. Your Uncle Charlie uh, doesn't, is not informed. Your Uncle Charlie doesn't talk to the parish president as often as we do. Your Uncle Charlie believes everything he reads on the internet. Um, stick to us. When it's time to panic, we'll let you know. And right now is not the time to panic because our situation is continuing to get better. And as we've talked about on this show, even as our new cases have come in, our hospital situation has remained unchanged. 12 ventilators in use in Region 3, 108 are available. That number has not moved. I mean, it's been in the 10 to 12, 9, 10, 12 range, goes up a little bit, goes down a little bit. It's not significantly moved. Our ICU bed availability has actually gotten better, much better. 52 ICU beds are in use, 72 are available. That number was about 50-50. Now it's greater than 50-50. There are far more beds available than in use. We're the only region in the entire state of Louisiana that has more beds available than in use. So 
I get that the instinct is to panic. I get that the instinct is to say that hey, this is a conspiracy and this person's trying to get money and this person's trying to you know instill fear in everybody and this, that, and the other and all the crazy things that you all have said. But our situation is getting drastically better. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. And maybe they're the ones who are um, have an agenda, unlike what you're reading. Our total hospital bed, hospital bed availability, we have 390 beds in use, 374 beds available. That number throughout has maintained about a 50-50 ratio. And as we remind you every show, that's total patients. So if you go get your tonsils out, you're in that number. If you go and have a baby, you're in that number. If you get your appendix taken out, you're in that number. That's not 390 people who are hospitalized with COVID. That's just 390 people who are hospitalized, period. So continuing to make progress, continuing to do the things that we're supposed to do. And uh, this situation is going to continue to get better, I think, because if we've not seen a drastic spike now, I don't think it's coming. Like you guys tell me when we're going to see more social interaction than what we saw Memorial Day weekend on Grand Isle, a weekend which the island officials and store owners and you know government has said was the greatest and largest Memorial Day celebration in island history. So an event that was almost the size of a tarpon rodeo that drew tens of thousands of people to the island, hundreds of thousands of golf carts onto the beaches of Grand Isle. Every picture that you saw were people celebrating under tents and sitting down in the sun enjoying, you know, the, the good weather. If that didn't cause us to spike, what will? If protesting and everybody going to the streets and, you know, expressing, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the things that we're protesting about, um, you know, racial equality and all the different things that are being protested. Um, if that doesn't cause us to see a huge spike in cases, what will? And I think that if we could get through this period of protesting and everything of that sort without a major spike, then why can't we have football games with fans? If we could have 35, 40,000 people on the streets in New York City and no one significantly spikes or causes a spike in COVID and sees our cases rise drastically, why can't we have a Saints game with a half full dome at the very least? Why can't we do that? Texas has already said they're allowing half capacity for sporting events in their state. Why can't we do that across the board? I don't know. You know, we, we still got a ways to go because the protests are not two, three weeks old yet. So there still may be that increase. But I'm just telling you, if we get through the next couple of weeks without a drastic spike nationally, without a drastic spike locally, it's time we have an honest conversation about, well, I don't know that our social interaction is ever going to be greater than what it's been. I mean, the last couple of days in New Orleans has been like Mardi Gras in, in some areas. Uh, there have been, you know, going onto the interstate and protesting and everything of the sort. And if that doesn't cause an outbreak, I don't know that it's going to be coming. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, one last thing I'd like to touch on, Nichols State University has announced they're renaming two of their buildings on campus um, to try to promote a more diverse um, campus. And I hear the outrage and I hear the people telling me that our history is being erased and all this. And um, I think it's laughable, man. Um, you know, things change. History doesn't change, but things change. Um, if, if Nichols feels that it will allow them to attract a more diverse student population by changing the names of those buildings, why would anyone be against that? Doesn't mean that in Louisiana history, they're not going to teach the Civil War. Doesn't mean that in Louisiana history, they're not going to talk about Beauregard. Doesn't mean that they're not going to talk about the Civil War. But if it allows them to generate even just 10 students a year additionally because of changing those buildings, why would someone be against that? It's just a building, man. That building doesn't pay your bills. 
most folks until I reported on this story didn't even know that the buildings were named that. Um, so the blinded outrage, I think, is a little bit interesting. It's just a building, man. They could call it whatever they want. They could call it the Skittles Hall at, on the campus of Nichols State University. And I think that it wouldn't make any difference to me. Um, but if it's offensive to just 5% of the people, then that's 5% too many. You've got an opportunity to offend nobody. So let's go ahead and just get this right and offend nobody. I, I applaud Dr. Kloon for making that decision. And I look forward to seeing who they decide to honor in the future with naming those buildings. So let's go ahead and catch a quick commercial break. Find us on iTunes. Get our app. There is a storm in the Gulf. What better way to get your news than have it sent straight to your phone? You don't know if the internet is going to go out in the next couple of days. You don't know if the electricity is going to go out in the next couple of days. Go to iTunes or to your app store. Type in Lafouche Gazette right now and download our app. We're going to do the rest for you. Every story I post will be sent straight to your phone. If you think that that's overwhelming, if you think that's annoying, you could go into the app and choose exactly how many push notifications you get. If you don't like sports, you could turn off sports notifications. If you don't like political news, you could turn off political political notifications. But do whatever you got to do to make sure that you are getting the most up-to-date information. Um, and also, find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. We'll get, send all these episodes straight to your phone. We've got a growing uh, listener base. We're getting 100-plus downloads now on each episode but don't get left behind, guys. We're going to continue to grow, and we want to make sure we continue to grow our subscriber base so that we can entertain as many people as possible. It's a tough time for everybody right now. There's a pandemic. Uh, people are concerned about their jobs. People are concerned about, um, you know, a storm in the Gulf. They're concerned about the future. Quite frankly, it's going to be a rough summer in southeast Louisiana, potentially. So we're going to try to entertain people as best as we can, keep people informed as best as we can, and the easiest way for you guys to do that is go into your app store, type in Lafouche Gazette, then go into your iTunes and type Casey's Corner Podcast, download the app, subscribe to our pod, and we'll smile and be entertained and have a lot of fun together throughout the summer. Let's go ahead and catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to have DJ Rhett on the line. DJ Rhett is funny as heck. We look forward to seeing what he's got to say, telling his story about his rise to social media prominence making videos and entertaining hundreds of thousands of people we're happy to have him on it's the next segment of the casey's corner podcast right after this commercial break on lafouchegazette.com hi i'm james cantrell i'm running for state representative of district 54 i'm not a politician i'm a businessman and a problem solver i'm running for state representative because i want to provide solutions to the many problems the great state of louisiana is facing today speaking from experience this bayou and its people mean so much to me i was born and raised here it is heartbreaking to see our businesses closed from the tanking of our national state and local economies to our shrimpers teachers oil and gas workers and every industry in between we need a representative working for a better future for everybody. I believe that together we can revive Louisiana. I humbly ask for your support for State Representative of District 54 on July 11th. Together we can create a strong future for our Louisiana. This is a special election. Early voting starts June 20th and lasts for two weeks. Remember to vote James Cantrell, number 264, Courage, Strength, Loyalty. Paid for by the James Cantrell Campaign Fund. It's a new day. Yes, it is.
It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, we have DJ Red on the line. DJ Red, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing good, man. Look, you've got such an interesting and entertaining story. Uh, it's a story of um, a guy who just making videos, doing things that you like to do, like to entertain people, like to make people laugh. And then it blew up to become this big old thing with 200 plus thousand Facebook followers and everything of the sort. Um, right off the top, I got to ask you, man, tell us a little bit about that journey. And uh, did you ever in a million years think it would get to this point? Um, so so basically, um, my graduate. So when I was younger, I, um, my brothers were kind of like the, uh, the sports guys. And I was kind of like the guy that just wanted to stay in his room, you know, and play with his electronics, Sega cameras, everything. So when, um, when I was growing up, I, I really wasn't, I was fascinated more in capturing stuff around me. So I was, I was the guy that had the video camera that you, you know, the big shoulder mount that you throw over the big Sony one that looked like a transformer uh, way back in the day with the VCR tape. Sure. I would video everything. And I'm talking about bad weather. I would video myself dancing. I would video my dad cooking. I would video every, I would interview people. And that was just something that I enjoyed doing. And then um, as I started getting older, I started developing my craft, started writing a little bit more uh when i was 15 years old i started djing because i i was intrigued with music but i was too lazy to learn an instrument so uh <laughs> so i bought tons I, I hit pawn shops and bought cds for like a dollar a piece got my first set of sp2 speakers and um i had a I had a sony cd player that i paid 800 bucks for 800 bucks for a cd player and a dual cassette tape deck where I DJed for little kid dances. And that's how I kind of got my start. And I started entertaining the kids, singing, dancing, stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, as I started getting older and everything like that, the, the social media started popping its head. I had a MySpace. I would do stuff on that. I opened up a YouTube account in 2007, started putting my silly videos on there. Facebook came around in 2009, uh, did some silly videos on there, trying to build a following. And then, um, just one day, um, I uh, turned on my phone and did a uh, did a rant about how people can't diet in Louisiana. I'm I'm, I'm a very advocate. Uh, I go to the gym a lot, uh, um, but if you're living in South Louisiana, there's so much good stuff to eat that uh, you have to work out in order to stay in shape. You know, so uh, we we work out to eat over here. But, um, <laughs> When I did that, I turned my phone on and I did a rant about how in Louisiana you cannot have a diet in Louisiana. It's just too many good foods, too much good food around there. So a little four-minute rant that I did about four years ago, and I posted it. And uh, within within about two hours, I had like two hundred thousand views. I was like, "Wow, this is this is amazing." And when you get that first video that starts to go viral or starts to have a little traction, it's almost like an addiction. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like Okay, now I got to beat these numbers. And um, I want to say maybe about three weeks later, I did a face swap video to the uh, to the song We Are the World. And uh, as as a joke, you know, just kind of silly and posted it. And a week later, it had over a million views. And about five months later, it had 35 million views. So a lot of people were like, you need to open up your own page. So in 2016, I opened up my own page called DJ Rhett 
that's you know my stage name what I go by and pretty much the rest is history I mean I just started making videos and it just started catching on and when it started catching on we coined the phrase y'all catching because that's what we say down here and uh in the south you know I mean if somebody's fishing on the side of the road we pull over we <laughs> roll down the wind and we what we say y'all catching we say that all the time so uh we kind of coined that phrase we put it on the back of our silly videos and I mean we just uh uh, it, it's just fun to come up and you know create you know and uh, and take advantage of this uh, unique culture we have because you can go anywhere in the United States and you're not going to find somewhere like Louisiana you're just not I mean the the food the culture the heritage the people the you know the friendliness the southern hospitality you can't go anywhere else without that in Louisiana so and, and find that anywhere else but Louisiana so I just wanted to celebrate Louisiana and uh, you know we make silly you know we call it cajun videos but i mean uh, you know it's it's more down south humor than than true cajun but um we throw a little cajun spill and humor in there too so um but yeah that's how it started so yeah that's awesome man and, and okay so fun with it, that's it. yeah when you're in the process of trying to figure out what you want to you know communicate in your videos do you have like a storyboard or a notebook or just whatever comes off the top of your head how much scripting i guess goes into this um actually no scripting at all <laughs> i uh i might have an idea in my head and i just kind of think of a movie scene or a song that that is kind of similar to that and i just kind of change everything around that's a that's a little it's a neat little i guess skill that i have um you know one, one day yeah i've jade for so long so i know a lot of i know tons of genres of music i mean i'm not just the not an alternative guy or a gangster rap guy or a country guy. I'm an everything guy. I like, I mean, I just like music in general. So listening to the music and, um, and trying to come up with different ways to put my own little creative spin on it is just a little knack that I have. Um, I'm, I'm starting to do a little bit of original writing, but it's way different than, than comedy. Uh, you know, you, you try to, you try to put your ideas down on paper and you try to make sense of it and everything. Whereas I feel more comfortable doing the parodies because I know the music, I know what I want to say and I just go at it. But it's a fun, unique challenge trying to, trying to do original stuff. And, uh, but yeah, most of the stuff we do, we put the movie up and we just look at it and we just have, we just go at it. And sometimes I wish I would put the camera on, on us while we're doing the dubs because it's <laughs> funnier than the actual dub because we have to take, a little two-minute dub might take us four hours to do because we're dying laughing, you know, and uh, trying to get the story down. And then uh, the last two hours is just kind of getting the timing right with the mouth and everything like that. So uh, it's fun. It's fun to come up with all kind of different stuff. But, I mean, there's tons of movies and tons of ideas that I never got to. I have a little notebook right here. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's a Marvel it's a Marvel character uh, book that I just write all kind of ideas in. And, uh, I mean, it's, I, if somebody steals this from me, they're going to be like, okay, this guy's weird. But, um, <laughs> if they read some of this stuff, but I, if I had an idea, I write it down and then I'll go back to it when I have time. And I just kind of, you know, that's what I do with my spare time. A lot of people, they'll tell me, man, Red, you got, you got all, I mean, you got tons of time on your hand, you know, like that, that you can do this stuff. And I'm like, I just tell those people, man, you got the same 24 hours as me. I just choose to create and write music and do dubs and video. 
while other people sit and binge watch Netflix for eight hours. I, I, I don't do that. I just, I get up and I put, I either have a camera in my hand, a microphone in my hand or a keyboard computer in my hand and I'm trying to create something. So that's just my nature. That's how I've always been. I hear you, man. And when you are, you know, sitting down and watching a movie, do you ever kind of see a scene and think, yeah, I could probably use that. Like, are you kind of judging the, the things that you're watching while, while you're watching them? All the time. I, uh, my wife hates it because I'll, I'll be in the house and I'll hit mute and I'll just talk over a scene, like just do it. <laughs> and she gets so mad. She's like, she's like, you know, you, you know, you, uh, you got two sides, you got two types of followers. You got followers that follow you because they love what you do. And you got other followers that are like, you just totally ruin a movie for the rest <laughs> of my life, especially the notebook. Cause I got girls, uh, women that actually message me on the page. They can never watch the notebook the same again. When that scene comes on, uh, we did a, We dubbed the scene, uh, when they're arguing in the notebook and we kind of put our little spin of, uh, how couples down here argue about, you know, women not letting their guy, uh, letting their husbands go to the Tarpon Rodeo in Grand Isle. So, which is a major problem in Louisiana. Oh yeah. So, so we poked fun at it and that's probably one of our most popular dubs, um, that we did. We released that one about three years ago and that one has over a million views. And then, um, I mean, we just play around with ideas We, you know, topics of Louisiana, fishing, weather, um, you know, culture, food, and you know, like for weather, for instance, that's that's the one thing I'm on right now. I, uh, I teamed up and reached out to, uh, you know, WDSU News Channel 6, uh, Daniel Graves. And I said, hey, man, look, I have an idea. I want to take one of your weather clips and just kind of put my spin on it. And he says, oh, yeah, man, I watch your stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Have fun with it. <laughs> and uh, about a year ago, actually, yeah, it was about a year ago in April of last year. I, uh, there was a big there was a stretch of weather where during the week it was beautiful beautiful weather and we were just talking about it golly we stuck in work and this beautiful weather well let's get together this weekend and it was there was a period of like five weeks where there was cold fronts that just kept coming through on the friday and just totally destroy saturday and sunday for you but the weather was beautiful during the week so i was like man i gotta dub that because that's that's basically what it is down here in louisiana you got beautiful weather during the weekend and when you want to go fishing and hang out with your fathers during the weekend it's raining so I said, man, it would be great to dub a weather, you know, a, a weather segment. And I reached out to them. I usually reach out to local people to ask for permission before I even do anything. And uh, and he said, go for it. And that one has just under three million views. So I started uh, I started doing a lot of du- weather dubs, and uh, it they're actually been doing pretty well. Uh, I did one for uh, I don't even know what they call that hurricane right now. Is it Crystal Ball or Chris 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 Ball? Chris Paul, what is it? <laughs> Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball. <laughs> I said, it's either Crystal Ball or Chris Paul. I don't know what it is. I, I hear you, brother. Uh, Look, have but you yeah, ever... yeah. All, everything, we just go in the studio and we let it roll, man. I mean, we, we if you go in there with a script, it to me, scripts are just not genuine to me. Uh, if you go in there and you're in the moment, that's what makes you know a lot of songwriters out there. They'll go in there and they're in the moment and they just do it and they release it. They don't care how silly or how it's just unique and it's in the moment and people can relate to that. But if you sit down, you script stuff out and they all know you're reading from something. We're not reading at all. We're just looking at the screen and saying our story. And it's it, it, it turns into magic somehow. So. 
is is okay you said the folks at channel six were already fans is there ever anyone that you've encountered that you didn't know that whenever they said hey we, I, I watch your stuff that you kind of like yeah man that's pretty awesome yeah uh, i got one one story that uh blew my mind um two years ago um my wife and i went to um napa valley um and we uh we were celebrating our anniversary there uh, during the summer, and um, before we left, I called and made some reservations at a winery and um, gave her my information and everything. And she said, uh, "She said, okay, Mr. Leconte, we'll see, we'll see you in two weeks." And I was like, "Thanks." I hung up the phone. Uh, five minutes later, I get a phone call from California again, the winery that I did, and uh, I said, uh, "Hello, uh, yes, Mr. Red, uh, this is uh, I forgot her name, but such and such from from." Uh, Napa Valley just uh I said yeah you confirming the uh, account now? I mean the uh the confirmation and everything she says no actually I was just calling you are you that DJ Red that's on social media <laughs> and I said yeah I am and she says oh my god she says I've been following you for about two years now ever since you did that we are the world video she says you are hilarious and I was like wow I said that's California you know so we went over there and uh, I tried to look for her, but I, I couldn't find her anywhere. It would have been kind of cool to just meet her, take a picture with her and everything like that. But uh, that was one of the, wow, this is crazy. I got somebody from California that actually <laughs> recognized the name and then just put the face together and was like, oh, man, let me reach out and see if that's the guy. That was uh, that was crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I've... Uh, I, I get comments from uh, you know Chapa. Then uh, I, I've met him, uh, Keith Frank, the, the guy that does haters. Um, just a, a bunch of local Louisiana talent um, that's out there has reached out to me, and you know they want to take part in what I'm trying to do. And that's just that's just just let people know that Louisiana uh, is is a great place to come to. Like I said, we celebrate the music, the culture, the the people, and um, Everybody wants to be a part of it, and I just—it it almost brings me to chills and tears to think that people are calling me saying, "Hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing." And I was like, "Man, I was just doing this to goof off, you know." And then now it's become almost a part of me where I'm like, "Okay, what am I gonna come up with next today? I gotta—I gotta entertain my, my, you know, I gotta entertain my uh, my followers. What I can come up with." So it's always a struggle every day to come up with new material, but it's also fun, you know, and it's also trying to. You know, just like I said, make Louisiana, uh, you know, a, a better place and everybody just enjoy it. And um, it's uh, it's stereo. It's stereotypical. You know, Louisiana people, you know, we, we got plenty of stereotypes over here, but I try to celebrate it in a good way. And uh, I hope I'm doing I hope that Louisiana is proud of what I'm doing, you know, and it, it, it seems all positive so far. So. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that, brother. I think everybody's definitely yeah. very proud. Now, next question I wanted to ask you, OK, if you got. Take us behind the scenes a little bit. If you got a video and there's two people talking to one another and the voices are varying, is that all red or do you have some friends along the way that no, are pitching? No, we have no. So, um, so probably since we started started doing the dubs and doing the comedy, uh, the voiceover comedy and stuff like that, we've had probably about five different voices in all of those um, all of those dubs. Eighty percent of it, it's me. 20% of it is another guy named, uh, well, I'm not going to say his name because he don't like to be, uh, <laughs> I'll call him Stick. That's his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> he, he always says, don't post me, bro. I don't want nobody to know who I am. <laughs> but Stick has, 
Vic does the high pitch voice. He does uh, like the Hulk Hogan and the women voices. So I don't know if you watch some of the wrestling stuff, and he, you know, he's got that high pitch voice. He's okay. the one that actually yes, says, "Y'all catching." He's the one that actually does the high pitch stuff. But gotcha. Josh is. I'm more the guy that wants to be in front of the camera. He's more the guy that don't put the camera on my face. Like, I'll lend you my voice, but I don't want to be on, you know, that. So him and I, we write skits together. We do stuff together. And um, unfortunately, he's been uh, – he, he's in New Orleans now, and uh, he, he works remotely. So we haven't been in the studio a lot together. So I've been doing a lot of the voices myself. But once we start getting back to uh, to – almost normal he's gonna be back in and we'll we'll, we'll get stick re- reintroduced to uh to the dubs but yeah he's got a high pitch funny voice and uh we love it and um i just tried to you know he sometimes he'll not know what to say and then i'll tell him what to say and he'll say it sometimes i'm not i won't know what to say he'll tell me say this and because we're both he's from lockport and um i'm from uh i'm from uh chauvin Cocodry area so we both know the different bayous. We know the dialect. We know we know what people are talking about. He might have a word that he'll say, and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, well, it's this. And I'm like, well, we say it this way. Because that's what makes Cajun culture so unique and down to buy here so unique. You know, somebody might call something one thing and somebody might call it another thing. But that's, like I said, that's what makes the whole jambalaya pot stir over here. It's like everybody has their different sayings and you know, like, for instance, I went to a gig one time and I said, mon dieu. And mon dieu means my God in Cajun French. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't even know they had another way of saying that. Um, apparently, Pierre Park, they say, God, I fad. And I don't even know what, <laughs> I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so it's actually, it's actually kind of neat to learn the dialect from your own state. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, uh, it, it's so twisted. You got Creole Cajun, you got southern cajun you got northern cajun you got cajun cajun you got there's all kind of different types and uh it's just interesting and fun to meet the different people from the state you know i'll go to different you know gigs or i'll go to you know i'll go to talks in front of schools and stuff like that and it's just it's just so cool to meet these different people and you know the 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 different styles but we're all part of the same louisiana so it's 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 actually pretty cool got a question from a listener they want to know how long did it take you to get the Grinch costume on? And were you able to keep it once you got it off? <laughs> um, okay, good question. Uh, yeah, the Grinch costume is, uh, it takes about, it takes about maybe 45 minutes to put the prosthetic on the face uh, because you have to get your face as clean as possible and you have to get, you have to put different layers on as far as the latex. And once that mask comes on, it ain't coming off. Like you have to use some like adhesive to actually, cause if I try to pull it off my face, I'll rip, my, I'll rip, rip the skin off. So it takes about 45 minutes to put the prosthetic face on and then not long to put everything else on. But, um, when I'm in that suit, it is so miserable. Like it is, it's miserable being in that suit. So I, if I'm going to put it on, I'm going to take full advantage of it. So I'll be in that suit eight, 10 hours at a time because i'm like all right i got it on let's do a video let's do something with it you know uh, um because i'm not i'm not gonna get in it for two hours and then take it off you know i'm just not gonna do it so last year i put it on in the morning went visit some schools then i went to peppers in homa we did meet the grinch day they came in toys for tots everybody gave a toy to take a picture with the grinch i left there 
my neighbors couldn't um my neighbors couldn't make it so i went home walked over to their house took pictures with them and then i was hungry i'm like uh i'm gonna take full advantage of this so i don't know if y'all saw that but i went live as the grinch through the mcdonald's drive-thru and i was (laughs) you know going crazy with that and i mean i stunk the high hell at that point because i mean think about it you got all this stuff on top of you you got hair on you like it's just it's so bad. Like when I pull it off, I'm soaking wet. It's so gross. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll pull the mask off and I'm probably get pretty gross on this, but it's like an oyster that's inside. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, man. But it's, uh, it's fun just to see the, the kids faces and everything. I'll do it. I'll do it again. You know, um, usually when I put the, the, the suit on, I get sick because it really does take a toll on your body. It really does. Like, I can't breathe. Your face is cut. You have to breathe through your mouth. Um, you have about a, it's about a 50 pound suit you're carrying and South Louisiana in December, it's 70 degrees outside. It ain't, it ain't 30 degrees. Yeah. So it's hot, you know, but when I see the, the smiles on the kids faces and people are running up just because I'm dressed as the Grinch, like I said, I, I suck it up and do it because that's what I, I just want to be a pillar for the community. I want to make people smile, make people laugh. It doesn't matter if I'm, DJ Red doing the, the, the Kuyon, if I'm the Grinch or if I have any other characters, I'm just going to try to make, you know, try to make people smile. So, yeah, the Grinch costume, it's um, you can only wear the mask maybe twice and then you have to purchase a new mask. So the mask is about 200 bucks. So um, so that's why when I say I put it on, I take full advantage. Of it. You have to, you know, you have to take full advantage of it. So, um but yeah, I still have the outfits, still have everything, but I do have to get a new mask for this year. So, because the Grinch will come out again this year eventually, if we're not in quarantine. So. I got you, brother. <laughs> but the Grinch, the Grinch is used to quarantine anyway. He lives in my front. So, <laughs> uh, what, what what do you do nine to five, man? Fill us in on what what uh, what normal life is like for DJ Rap. Well, um, so I work for. Uh, PCM, Pipeline Construction and Maintenance. Um, I do a lot of their PR work and all their marketing work. Well, while, while I started doing stuff for them, um, you know, the, the guys that own the company, they said, man, we should, you know, market out your, your marketing skills, you know, like offer it for services and stuff. So we created a company called Stellar Media. And we actually, you know, we're a full-fledged marketing firm. We do... Um, we do uh, videography, we do photography, we do websites, uh, we shoot commercials. Uh, we also, um, the owners of PCM and Stellar Media own Louisiana Connection Network, uh, LCN, which is a TV network. We're in 28 parishes uh, and we're creating content, which you know some of the listeners may have seen it before, the Y'all Catching Show with DJ Rat and Sean P. That's going to be played on there, and then we're actually starting to film new shows to put on there, and it's all going to be local. It's like it's going to be, you know, basically a lifestyle channel for Louisiana. And uh, I think with what I'm doing with DJ Red, y'all catching Stellar Media, I think it'll go hand in hand with a Louisiana-based uh, super, you know, cable station where we can, you know, just do local programming. Local tourism dollars can go into it, and. Um, and just get the word out that Louisiana's here for tourism and, you know, just to, to come on over uh, because it's a it's a cool place for, you know, it's it's, it's literally sportsman's paradise. And we want people to come over here and, you know, celebrate that with us. So 
that's my nine to five. Uh, that's my nine to five life. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 straight marketing. So I don't even call it a job. I, I mean, our studio, I call it the man cave because we have computers, we have uh, editing suites, we have a, a music studio, we have green screens, we have everything we need to create magic. So um, it's like I said, it's not a job. It's it's a. I love it. It's a. It's it's a. It's a blessing to wake up in the morning and come do something you love. You know. There's no doubt about that. Well, look, man, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, stay safe during the, the little storm that we're going to have here and all that good stuff. And, and, and kudos to you for all the progress that you made, man. You're doing great work. All right. Well, no problem. And uh, y'all go make sure that y'all stock up on y'all little supplies and, uh, you know, wash y'all little hands and y'all stay safe, Sha. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, brother. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and y'all keep watching. I'm on DJRetLive.com on um on the on the internet and on Facebook. I'm on DJ Ret Live. You can pull that up. Uh, Instagram DJ Ret underscore one. Uh, I don't do much Snapchat anymore. Uh, but if you want to pull that up, that's DJ Slurpee. And I'm also on TikTok, but I don't do TikTok. That's kind of silly to me anyway. So my main my main um. Uh, my main social medias are Facebook and YouTube. So, and it's all under the DJ Red. So, Google DJ Red and have a laugh. You got it. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Thank you, Gabe. That was DJ Red doing a great job, as always. Let's go ahead and catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, Wendell Curell with the South Lafouche Levy District, he's going to let us know if we're ready for Tropical Storm Cristobal right here on Casey's Corner Podcast. Hey, guys. I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. I know how you guys could get the news in Lafouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about, we're going to be talking about it and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the Lafouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the Lafouche Gazette app today. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, the general manager of the South Lafouche Levy District, Wendell Kural. Wendell, how are you, my friend? Doing all right right now. How are you doing? Doing fine. Look, uh, we wanted to have you on because um, it's hurricane season, obviously, and it looks like we're going to get an early dose of hurricane season with Cristobal. Uh, tell us some of the things you guys are hearing and seeing as, as the storm approaches landfall, and uh, it looks like it may be heading towards Louisiana's coast. Yeah, well, anytime you have an organized system in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, it's it's uh, in a position to cause us problems in South Louisiana. So we pay attention. Uh, you know, you can have a Category 5 hurricane in the Atlantic off of Florida, but if I've got a depression in, in uh, the Gulf, I'm worried about the depression in the Gulf first. So uh, this storm is out there on the Yucatan Peninsula coming our way. Uh, looks unorganized, and uh, everybody's projecting that's going to pretty much stay unorganized. 
a lot of that is because of a lot of dry air in the vicinity. So that's a good thing. Uh, but uh, kind of unpredictable to this point. And usually with these types of storms, when they're not well organized and, and spread all over the place, uh, it's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen. So right now, uh, you just have to go with the best guess. And and uh, the best guess is that it is going to come up to us and cause us some problems. Seeing the projections of storm surge, which is always the biggest concern for me, that they can cause the greatest amount of damage and, and take the most lives. But they're only talking two to four feet. I didn't see anything more than that. So most of the experts don't believe it'll you know organize and to cause us a lot of problems with storm surge. A lot of the discussion is that... Uh, as it goes through, it may uh, dump a lot of rain on us. And, of course, if you get in a situation where you get continual rain and it doesn't move through, uh, that's always a problem when you're dealing with rainfall issues. So, But I'm still seeing rainfall estimates from four to six, which is a lot of rain, but it usually doesn't cause flooding. But then you see some some areas they think might have six to ten. And when you start talking about that much rain, then you can have some with, with localized drainage problems, some flood issues. Uh, but with, a, with a, a, any organized system, uh, you have other issues. Uh, the wind issue is the other threat that you have. They're talking 40 to 50 mile an hour areas at the worst, which is not terribly bad, but something you have to pay attention to. And you always have with this type of weather the threat of tornadoes. And, and that, you know, that, that's always a, a, you know, a bad risk and, it's something you have to just be aware of. There's not too much you can do except have a str- know where your, your strongest place in your house is. But all in all, uh, it looks like we're going to have a disorganized system that may cause a lot of problems for us, or we may not have too many problems. And you just got to uh, be ready to deal whatever comes our way. Now, uh, the, the world has been in quarantine for the last couple of months, but you guys have been busy. You guys have been taking advantage of that dry air that we've been having and that those those warmer than normal conditions that we've been having this spring uh and that you've made a lot of progress talk about some of the progresses that y'all made on the levee in the last couple of months yeah yeah the springtime was really nice i mean uh it's really you know it, it's a little aggravating some people complain about all the dust flying but uh for us when we're moving a lot of dirt uh, using trucks and stuff the dust flying is a good sign it means that uh, we're gonna have efficient work going on but we have several projects that uh you know, we're very fortunate that our low areas are 13 feet high, you know, and we're trying to have some areas that are like 13 feet high between levees that are 16 uh, feet high. So those are the gaps we're trying to close right now. And uh, we've got uh, a job on the east side of Golden Meadow. It's not a very large gap, but it's large enough for uh, a major storm to flood us through. So uh, we're trying to raise that from a 13 to 16. We have a lot of work going on on both sides of like on the west side near uh, the Basel Arena and the uh, Basel Pump Station. Uh, we have, we're raising levees from about 13, 14 to 15 to 16 and then some areas up to 18. Uh, so that's, that, that's, a, that's a real improvement. Of course, we finished the gate that goes over LA1 near the Ontario Lock south of Golden Meadow. And getting that in place was fantastic. It's, uh, of course, the southern part of our system, the most at risk. And before, where well, we had to put Hensco baskets to raise the protection from 12 feet to 16 feet, now we have a steel gate that's a lot better than Hensco baskets uh, for dependability. And we're protecting up to a 18-foot elevation. But the thing about it is that 
we can wait a lot later in the issue to allow as many bo- uh, cars to go through before we have to close it. And then after it's finished, it's a lot easier to open it. So that's a big advantage for the people outside of the system coming inside for protection and when they leave to go out. But for the people inside the system, having that steel gate as protection instead of HESCO baskets is a, a giant step forward. And then uh, in the LaRose area where we had an eight-foot level of protection with some eye walls tied to the floodgate, which are not accepted anymore by uh, the Corps, we replaced that with some 13-foot elevation protection with some A-frame eye walls, so A-frame uh, sheet pile walls that are now accepted. And so we've improved the protection uh, along the bayou and in the rules area right there at the floodgate. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of work going on. We're doing some work also on, on the east side near Cloverly. Cloverly Farms is a little bit low, and uh, the area that's most at risk is in the southern part. So we've got a project started there. And just south of Cloverly Farms, we've been raising a levee that dropped below 11 feet. We're bringing it back up to about 14 feet. So all these things have been going on, and we're making good progress. Uh, usually the power, more powerful storms don't hit till August 15th to about October 15th, most years. And uh, we're hoping to get a few more, couple months of work to uh, keep increasing the flood protection before we get to the serious storms. And let's hope we don't have a serious storm before uh, August 15th. But whether they're serious at the time or not, we all, anytime you have an organized system, pay attention to it. And this one, we suggest that, uh, you know, every every morning and every afternoon, take a look as things could change quickly uh, with that storm. We're still anticipating it not to be a, a big threat, but you just you just never know. So you have to pay attention. No doubt. And, and I, this is a sports podcast. We're having you on because of the storm in the Gulf. And, and, you know, one of the things that I always found fascinating is that you're a sports guy, too. And we call, you know, you call and we chat from time to time. And you approach levee building in the perspective of a football game oftentimes. Share that story with the listeners. Well, well, you know, it's like, uh, uh, again, I played defensive back, you know, and you always kept things in front of you, but you definitely didn't want somebody to go over the top. You didn't want anybody to go deep on you. Well, same thing with stopping floods. We don't want the flood to go deep on us, all right? Uh, but, you know, you have to look at it is that, you know, you build something as well as you can afford at the time. I guarantee you we have the best system that we can afford right now, but we always look at to make it better. But, you know, if, and, and we're building our levees, some of them are getting up to 18 feet. But if the storm puts a 20-foot level against that 18, we lose. You know, we can, and it's just like in the ball game. You can play a perfect game, but if that other team just plays a little bit better, you lose. So we never guarantee that we're going to be successful. But we always work at getting better. We never stop. Every day we work to be better today than yesterday and better tomorrow than today. And that's just like in sports. You, you, if you sit still, it, it, you got more of a chance to go backward than forward. So uh, that's a lot of the philosophy. It's also, uh, I bring it in the issue of, uh, you know, talking about uh, I study military history too. You know, and it's, it's, you're putting a defensive force and you think about how, how it can attack you. So I've studied hurricanes a lot. I've been to the hurricane center, spent a week training out there at the hurricane center with the meteorologist so I could understand when they said something what it meant. You know, I was just thinking just now, though, you know, we were so happy that uh, Coach Ogeron's coach of LSU had been so successful. But, you know, when he played the Miami Hurricanes, he was playing a football team. When we deal with hurricanes, we're talking about the real thing. You know, <laughs> it's competing the same way. We want to win, you know. <laughs> and, it's, and as much as it's joyful when LSU wins, 
when we keep the water out, it's it's life and death, and it's the, the survival of our community. So uh, we take it real seriously. But uh, it, you know, I really do look at everything like like uh, I used to in football. You know, I used to flag football in, in college. I used to stay up at night thinking about different plays. We had seven different defenses for flag football. Okay. And and I do the same thing. I thought I go to bed at night. And I'm thinking, okay, what? Where's the weakest part that we have, and how can we make it better? And how can you do things? And and you never stop because that is you, you're dealing with when you're dealing with with the hurricanes. You your opponent can beat you if it wants to. You know we cannot guarantee against the most powerful storm. Remember, Katrina pushed a 28 foot storm surge into the Waveland, Mississippi area. There's no place. Uh, from Brownsville, Texas to Maine on the entire coastline, no place can withstand a 28-foot storm surge. Yeah. Now, right now, with the protection around New Orleans, it, it has a chance, okay? That's about the only place. There's nowhere else. I, I, I'm telling you, 28-foot storm surge, and Katrina made that happen. Luckily, those are very rare events. So what our job is is do the best we can, and, and the storms that don't have water higher than our levee, we want to make sure we win that. But, you know, and it's also just like a boat, one hole in the system and the whole thing sinks. So you can't just concentrate on one part or another part. You have to look at it as a whole, and you're always looking at the worst part. And you, you want to make that worst part better. And through the years, what i found is that I've been around here long enough. I worked on enough worst spots that now the best spot is the worst spot. And that's a good situation. Yeah, That means we're making progress and we're getting better. But... You know, it's one of those things that you, you cannot guarantee that we're not going to flood. So when we see a really powerful storm coming, uh, and we always we tell people, we advise uh, emergency preparedness that, look, you urge people to leave and let the levee system protect your property. Uh, don't depend on it to protect your life because we cannot guarantee. Even if everything's great and you've, you know, you've done everything and, and our levee is a little bit higher than the storm coming in and it looks like we're going to win, you can get a, a barge or a large boat just clip the top of the levee and that way you lose the system so uh although you know we keep on trying to work better we always understand that there's no guarantee that we'll be successful so in the large storms we still urge people to get to normal high ground somewhere and uh and you have to go a good distance in mississippi you got the 20 23 foot elevation about six miles in to get the 23 foot elevation in louisiana we have to go in almost the baton rouge yeah so uh you know those are the differences that we have compared to other places no doubt and, and you talked about that that journey of c- making continued progress how much you know better or safer you think we are now compared to you know 10 15 20 years ago unbelievable i mean you know when you put let's say a five foot improvement in an area you, you make a five foot levy well you put five feet at ground level still at five feet but we're putting five feet on top of 10 feet now you get the 15 foot protection. And, uh, you know, I looked at there's a, the highest flood event in the history of the Gulf of Mexico. And, of course, we had the, the, the 26, 20 foot elevation for Katrina. Uh, and then you had uh, Carla in Corpus Christi, Texas, pushed about an 18 foot storm surge. But after the top five storms, most storms are not much higher than 16 feet. That's in the history. Yeah. of the Gulf of Mexico flooding. And then you look at Louisiana, the history of the flooding. The worst was 17.9 feet east of New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. 
and then you have just one or two storms over 16 feet. So we've been able to raise the southern part of our system uh, the minimal 16 feet, and some of them we're up to 18 feet. And on the northern side, we are protecting up to 13 feet. We've never had more than six feet on the northern side. And uh, even the recommendations that we've had from uh, some of the studies on, on flood elevations, they talk about eight feet, but we're building to 13 feet on the north end. So we are, are doing everything we can with, with no guarantee that uh, uh, we will get some just terrible storm that, that everything works right for the storm to be powerful. Again, I just want to remind everybody, we, we think we're, we've got a pretty good system and we're going to continue to improve it, but we can never guarantee that we're not going to flood. No doubt about that. And, and in terms of, you know, getting this thing to, to where it is now, it's taken a commitment from every single person who lives here because we're taxing ourselves. Talk about, you know, that, that, that buy-in from the public and that cooperation. Because it feels like whenever you guys have needed something, the public has come through. Oh, absolutely. Look, we'd be dead in the water. Our community would not exist. I want you to look at Leeville. South of Foose, uh, parts Golden Meadow, Galliana, back parts of Cut Up on the Rose, would look like Leeville if we didn't have the system. And Leeville would look like Golden Meadow and Galliana if it did. Now, take a look at that stark difference. You know, uh, oh, the, 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 the need to, to, to get that done was critical. And, you know, we were lucky. We had Big Gibby pushing hard to get comprehensive hurricane protection for us and was able to get the, the core to authorize our program and we, we, we were building and, and making some progress but we flooded uh, 1985 the system was far from complete uh, but it helped keep some water out we had a one flooded us but there was a seven foot elevation on the outside of the system uh, we, now we flooded terribly inside but it was only four and a half feet Without the system, we would have had, we had, we would have flooded to seven feet. Uh, as it was with that four and a half feet, 30% of the homes and businesses flooded. But imagine what it would have been if we'd had seven feet of water inside. Yeah. So from that point, we finally closed the system in 1992, 1993. And since that time, well, that's since, since one, we have never had hurricane flooding, storm surge flooding. There've been some rain events that ponded some water where drainage wasn't real good, but that's the only flooding we've experienced. So, so that's good. Everybody around us, and I'm saying everybody around us, has flooded from hurricanes since 2000. You know, we're the only system south in the coastal that has not. So we tried to take that success, but that success was there only because after Katrina, uh, we were basically decertified by the Corps of Engineers, and we weren't put uh, with all the other authorized projects into the Port Supplemental in Congress that year where they were going to raise all those uh, projects up to the new 100-year level when they left us out. And we went to the taxpayers, and 82% agreed that they would pay a one-penny sales tax. And I guarantee you, without that one-penny sales tax, we'd be in serious trouble right now as far as the existence of our community as, 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 a, as a place you could dependably work and live. Uh, and it's also reflected in our success. We now, for most of our people, have preferred risk in, in uh, flood insurance, which is the lowest rate. We have houses, let's say, value average $180,000. Uh, a lot of other places, that, and we used to pay $1,200 or more, and now it's down to about $450 uh, flood insurance a year. So uh, we're getting some benefits uh, because of that extra time and money. But again, without the people, Voting to pay that one penny sales tax, I don't know where we would be today. 
Yeah, let, let's before we let you go, let's talk through you know the next couple of days here. Do you guys have any loose ends or any finishing touches? Or are you just kind of in wait and see mode? What's the next couple of days going to look like for you guys at the Levy District? Well, again, with with uh, now we're assuming that the storm is going to do what they're saying right now. If they change things, then of course we have to look at things differently. But right now, one of the the, the, the niceties is that our levy is so high that none of the elevations they're talking about is really going to be a threat to us. Yeah, there is one gate. Uh, on the Delta Farms Road. Here we're talking roads as being the place we might have to close the gate, okay? Uh, but the, the, the gate we just completed on LA-1 uh, near the Leontario Lock, top of Golden Meadow, uh, it's at 12 feet, okay? And then they're talking at most 8 feet. Uh, so we don't anticipate closing that gate. So the, the only gate we're looking at maybe closing is, is the one on the Delta Farms Road. And of course, we look at the water elevation before we decide to make that closure. Other than that, nothing else. Now, we also run six pump stations inside the levee system. And we handle and, and pump down the borough canal, which is the place that water can drain to that the parish brings their canals to our borough canal. And uh, those pump stations are completely full. We can run four days straight without refueling. So that's four days and we can pump. Uh, if there's a five-inch rainfall and it falls steadily for 24 hours, we can pump every dropout. So we're rated at, at five inches in 24 hours. But, of course, you get six inches and seven inches. But our borough canal is maintained at a minus seven, at seven feet below sea level. And just about all of the houses are at a plus three feet above sea level. So there's a 10-foot differential. Uh, so... Uh, you know, we, that, that's the way we can that, the, the help out from the drainage and rainfall flooding. But, on this, you know, remember, you have these different threats. Storm surge is one threat. Rainfall flooding is another. And, of course, you've got tornadoes and you have the wind. Uh, hopefully this storm doesn't give us too much of any one of those four threats. Well, Wendell, thank you so much for the time, my friend. Uh, we're going to stay in touch and uh, keep up the good work, my friend. Well, again, uh, we, we are thankful for all the cooperation. And, you know, you mentioned... You know, uh, the, the newspaper, our radio station, uh, you know, all of that helped us to communicate with the people and they've responded and we continue to work and uh, try to do the best job we can because we realize uh, the future of our community is based on keeping it dry because living in a, a subsiding delta without flood protection, nothing else matters. No doubt about it, my friend. Take care. All right. We'll see you. You too. Good luck. That was Wendell Curell doing a good job, as always, keeping us informed. Sounds like we're going to be okay through this madness that is crystal ball. Let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back. A short sports update, and then we'll wrap up. This is the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. What's up, guys? It's me again. I know you're getting tired of hearing me during the commercials, but I have another message, another very important thing I'd like to tell you. I'm doing this podcast on my own time. And it's 100% for you guys, our listeners, our readers, and everybody in LaFouche Parish who loves sports and who loves news as much as I do. So I cannot stress to you enough, if there's a guest that you want to hear, please let me know. I'll try to get them on. If there's a question that you have, please find me on social media, at Casey underscore Jisclair at Twitter, JisclairCasey at gmail.com. Find a way to get a hold of me. I want this to be an interactive show, but I want you guys to participate, and I want you guys to be part of the team. So please, if you have someone that you'd like for us to book, let us know so we can reach out to them. If you have a question, please let me know. I'm available 24-7. Don't take any days off. 
please make sure that if you got something that you'd like for us to cover, that you let us know so that we could do the best for our awesome listeners. We thank our calling guest, DJ Rhett. We thank our calling guest, Wendell Curall, for keeping you guys informed. So much going on in the world today. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on thefushgazette.com. We're going to now have a short sports update. We wanted to put the sports update in the back of today's show uh, because we wanted to lead with the hurricane and COVID stuff. We feel like that was a little bit more important today. Um, So we're going to now talk about some things in the world of sports. Um, the big thing going on in the world of sports, local and national, is Drew Brees has issued an apology um, for his comments made to Yahoo Finance about the American flag and standing for the national anthem and his commentary saying that he thought it was disrespectful that folks kneeled during the national anthem, uh, comments that went nuts and drew uh, you know, criticism from his teammates, drew criticism from players around the league, drew criticism from LeBron James, more about him in a minute, um, and drew criticism from a lot of people in the sports community about oh, about 18 hours after the outrage had kind of gone on. Breeze issued an apology on social media and then later posted a video of himself formally apologizing. Um, and here are my thoughts on this. Um, here, first and foremost, um, I don't think that he should have said what he said. Um, and I, I touched on this in the last show. Like, if you want to kneel for the national anthem, I don't understand why there's this great pushback. I don't understand why there's this venom or this hatred or why there's this idea that kneeling before something is incredibly disrespectful. We kneel down to pray, we kneel down to propose marriage to someone. Um, that kneeling at those times is not considered disrespectful. It's considered incredibly respectful. So the idea that these people are protesting and showing, um, you know, their thoughts about a situation uh, at that time and in that way, I don't think ever was incredibly offensive. And it's their American right. They're not breaking laws. I, I would be, you know, more inclined to say that they're being disrespectful if they were burning a flag or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think Breeze would have been more better served to just say, you know, hey, I stand because of my grandparents and I stand because I feel a certain type of way. I think whenever he threw the word disrespect in, that's when it became a whole nother animal and a whole nother thing. And uh, he's apologized. He said he's going to educate himself a little more on the issues and stand more with his teammates to try to rid ourselves of this, you know, uh, social injustice and some of the police brutality and some of the other things that are causing protest and um, a couple of things. First, um, I think that we now have to forgive the guy um, if he shows that, that that's a genuine apology, you know, apology and makes genuine effort to, you know, mend fences and, and build back those bonds with his teammates. We have to you know, accept that apology. This is a guy who's done too much good for too many people in our state, in our area, helped to rebuild the city after the, you know, the storm, has done countless things to raise countless amounts of dollars for countless amounts of people. 
we can't just turn on this guy and say that, you know, oh, well, he's, we're done with you forever because of 10 seconds of bad judgment in an interview at a question that probably he didn't expect to come his way. We can't do that. We've, we've forgiven far too many people for far too greater offenses. Um, was having a debate with one of my friends on, on text messaging, and he was saying, well, man, he better watch himself or else his NBC career may be in jeopardy. And I was thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like, Ray Lewis arguably may have killed someone, and he still has his television career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was poor judgment. Yeah, it was a big mistake, but he made the apology. He's trying to, you know, he took all the criticism, took the egg to his face, let everybody say what they had to say, then addressed it internally with his team, made the apology, and now is trying to make the efforts to move forward in good graces. And if he makes those steps, then we have to be willing to forgive him. We have to be willing to um, to look past this. Um, not saying we have to forget that it happened, but we have to move forward and, and, and you know, just accept his apology and, and try to get beyond this. Um, Another thing I want to say is I think it's very convenient and I'm going to get really hot and really heated here. Um, I think it's very convenient of a hypocrite like LeBron James to be the first person at all times to try to tell everyone how to act, try to tell everyone how to believe. Um, you know, the things that LeBron James said about Drew Brees are accurate. He shouldn't have done what he did. I've now talked for five minutes about that. But I think that people like LeBron James hurt the cause more than help the cause at the end of the day. Because anybody who does their own research on LeBron James can see that there are some great inconsistencies in how he's responding now compared to how he's responding to other situations in the past. And, you know, it's one thing um, to truly be about something and I think that this you know issue with, with African Americans in our country is passionate to LeBron James because he is a black American and he does you know have a, a you know a stake in the fight so to speak but man you really lose a little bit of credence and you lose a little bit of credibility with how he handled the situation in China this past year there's no doubt about that I think that people who look at this situation objectively of all colors would be able to say like, bro, you might want to just, you know, kind of cool it in terms of how you're judging other people. For anybody who's not familiar, LeBron James in th this past fall, uh, well, let, let's go back to the beginning. Rockets general manager Daryl Morey uh, put on social media that he stood with Hong Kong, um, a tweet that I thought was reasonable, that probably 80% of people would think is reasonable, um, but that he got lambasted for and almost quite frankly fired for because it tarnished the NBA's reputation in China um, because the Chinese people, well, the, their communist country, Hong Kong is trying to hang on to their democratic liberties and trying to free themselves and they're being further suppressed by the Chinese government. Um, and the NBA, you know, uh, fought back against Maury's tweets uh, and said, you know, hey, we, we don't want to make any rash judgments against the Chinese people, yada, yada, yada. Why? Because they knew that they would lose hundreds of millions of dollars if they if they took that stance, which you know, sure enough, they still did lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Was trying to trying to pull all their you know broadcasting and everything of the NBA in their country, but LeBron James had an opportunity at that time to stand up for the people of Hong Kong, had an opportunity to stand up for democracy around the world, had an opportunity to stand for equal rights for all people for of all races, of all creeds, of all nationalities, and he folded. 
He folded. He melted like a candy bar left in a car on a hot summer day. He folded. Instead of making a comment, instead of you know standing up for those poor people in Hong Kong, he said, uh, you, know, "You know, we don't we don't know enough about it. You know, we, we're misunderstood. We don't you don't have enough information about it." Same for Steve Kerr. He's Captain Woke on social media, calling out every single you know Republican lawmaker, calling out anybody who doesn't believe the way that he believes. Steve Kerr had an opportunity to stand up for the people of Hong Kong and folded and said that he couldn't make a statement about that. So my thing is, is if you want to be about equality and you want to be about humans and humans having rights and more power to you, that's the stance you should take. That's the stance that I take. That's what I believe personally. But you got to make sure you're consistent. It can't just be only whenever your shoe brand profits off of it. It can't be only whenever your boss says that it's okay to talk about it. LeBron James is a powerful enough figure. He had an opportunity. Even if the NBA told their players, don't comment on this, he had the opportunity to go bypass that and speak on it anyway. Had an opportunity to make a statement. What's the NBA going to do? Are they going to suspend LeBron James? Hell no, they're not going to suspend LeBron James. I know that. You know that. Anybody who's listening knows that. He had an opportunity to draw a line in the sand on that day in the fall and truly become a global beacon for peace, truly become an ambassador for equal rights for all people around the world. And he folded. And he folded because he chose to make a profit selling shoes to people in China over being about equal rights for people. So, yeah, I'm with you, bro. You know, Drew Brees shouldn't have said the things that he said. But you're not the messenger that I want to hear it from. Because just last fall, you had an opportunity to stand up and you folded and you folded over the sake of hundreds and thousands of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that you don't need. Hundreds of millions of dollars that won't impact your life at all because you're already rich. And I think that's a shame. And I think that he should sit out of this argument. And I think that folks that are listening to him tweet and sit back on his pedestal should know and should be reminded and should be aware of the things in his past. He wants to throw darts at everybody. Well, people that live in glass houses shouldn't be throwing rocks at anybody's houses, if you know what I'm saying. So that's where we are with that. Uh, good on Drew for apologizing. Good on, quite frankly, good on his teammates for calling him out. Uh, the only way that we're going to get to where we need to go is if more people speak out. So good on, you know, there being an opposition. Good on people for, you know, forcing him to be held accountable for what he was saying. And good on him for apologizing. And again, you know, kind of the last message is if you want to be about this, don't just pick and choose. Be about it all the time. That's the only way we're going to ever promote real change in the world. Major League Baseball has, uh, they've got some problems, man. Um, I've been critical of the things that are going on there. I've been critical of the players. I've been a critical of, uh, now I'm going to be critical on ownership. Uh, the MLB PA had proposed a 114-game season where players would receive 70% of their salaries. Uh, the MLB owners turned it down, astonishingly, and didn't um, send a counteroffer. So I don't know if we're going to have baseball uh, this, this season, and I don't know that we're going to have baseball in its current form maybe ever again. Because if they strike and don't have a season, um, I don't think fans are coming back. I've talked about this on this show I mean, some fans will come back, obviously, but I don't think they'll ever come back in the numbers that we've seen, and that'll mean these big fat contracts that players have, those are going to go away. That'll mean that you know these big skyrocketing payrolls, those are going to go away. Um, it's not going to be good. 
It's not going to be good. If you turn on the American people when they need you the most at a time where, not, and it's even worse now than what it was two weeks ago whenever I went on my big rant, because at that time we were just dealing with a pandemic. Now we're dealing with a pandemic and a, you know, a rioting culture, a culture that's looking for something that, that we could grasp on together and be united on together. And they're still saying, nah, bro, we're good. You know, we don't, we don't want to do this because we feel like it's unfair. Millionaire athletes are turning down millions of dollars to play a sport because it's not enough millions of dollars. And billionaire owners are suppressing the salaries of their million-dollar employees because they feel like they wouldn't profit enough. You could choose to be on whatever side you want to be on, players or owners. I think they're both wrong. I think that they're both acting shamefully, and I think that they're both going to have an egg on their face whenever the, the fan base don't come back. There's going to be baseball in 2021 for sure. There may be baseball in 2020, but if they don't get a long enough season and a more fulfilling enough season and money's the reason that that, that, that doesn't take place, that sport's in trouble. That sport's in big trouble. And uh, I'm curious to see how it shakes out. So before we end this show today, um, I talk a lot of wrestling. If you don't like wrestling, I'm going to tell you right now, hit stop, put down your phone, you're done for the day. Because the rest of this episode is going to be about wrestling. Um, I'm a big WWE guy. My friends tell me that I should be a big AEW guy. I tried earlier in the AEW's run, couldn't get into it. And now I especially have a hard time getting into it because there's such a social media mob on Twitter and you know Instagram and Facebook and all these people, these marks who are telling me that every single thing that AEW does is the greatest thing in history of wrestling that it's turned me against it, quite frankly. It reminds me of, of my small soccer nerd community that I follow on social media. They tell me everything that soccer does is the greatest thing ever. And then whenever I try to get involved and try to join the little circle and I ask a couple of questions, I get exiled because it's not, I'm not wholeheartedly agreeing with what they're saying. AEW is the same way. Their fans are a mob. Their fans want you to blindly believe everything that's happening there. When I promise you everything that ha that's happening there is not great. They're barely beating NXT in the ratings. This would be like um, a, an NBA G League team beating Duke by like six points in a game and then claiming that they're now better than the 72-win Chicago Bulls. That's what AEW guy does. They are barely beating NXT. They are scoring an extra innings win over a AAA program, a a literally a form system wwe doesn't even hide the fact that it's a form system so they're beating triple a wwe barely in ratings and they're claiming that this is the greatest thing that wrestling has ever seen i think that's insulting to wrestling fans around the country but with all that having been said i did sit down and you know i, I like to be a fair guy i like to be objective i like to be open-minded so i watched every single second of aew dynamite on wednesday from cover to cover. And I'm gonna break down that show now. There were some things I thought that were good, some things that I thought were awful, um, and some things that I thought were kind of in between. So to start with the good, Chris Jericho's the best wrestler in the world. He is. I, 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 it, in WWE, every single thing that Chris Jericho does gets over. Whether it be writing a name down on a list, he got over the word it in WWE. And now he's got his little stable um, of guys, and he's in a feud with Mike Tyson and threatening to knock Mike Tyson out. And 
Everything the guy touches turns to gold. He's unbelievable. His match with Colt Cabana was great. That was a high-level wrestling match. I give that an A+. Chris Jericho is the best wrestler in the world right now. And his storyline involving Mike Tyson may be the most entertaining thing going on in wrestling right now. So that's good. I'll be honest. That, that was wonderful. On the flip side, flip towards the bad. AEW's women's division is terrible. Nyla Rose fought Big Swole, whoever those two people are. Um, on Wednesday, the match wasn't any good. From what people, even the most die-hard AEW fans tell me, their women's division isn't very good and it's got to develop. Um, so, second thing, I like their emphasis on tag team wrestling. I do. I think WWE doesn't spend any time on tag team wrestling, and it's an afterthought. And the fact that the world champion at the next pay-per-view is going to beat one of the best tag teams in WWE in a handicap match, I think expresses that they don't give a patoot about their tag team division. I liked watching Kenny Omega and Adam Page beat Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. I thought it was a pretty good match. I like the fact that, that they have a flourishing tag team division because I like tag team wrestling. So that's a good thing. That's one thing that they do well. One thing that they don't do well, they don't have enough star power, man. Like you have one or two hours worth of TV a week, two hours worth of TV a week, and like half of the shows, guys I don't know, and half of the guys and, and half of the guys that I do know I don't care about. WWE has five hours of well, seven hours of TV a week if you count NXT, and they glitter their cards with future Hall of Famers. In AEW, I mean I don't know who Brian Cage is, I don't know who Sean Dean is. Like, these are no names. Uh, Colt Cabana, was, he performed well. I know who he is because of his social media work. I didn't know any of the women's wrestlers. Um, I don't know who Jungle Boy is, who fought Cody Rhodes, though he, he did perform well in the ring. I guess what I'm getting at is you could have the best in-ring product in the world, and just about every one of the five matches that AEW showed us on Wednesday were pretty good matches. But if your guys don't have the personality and don't have the developed character, no one's going to care. And that's where they're really lacking right now is they don't yet have the star power. Can they develop it? Yeah, I'm sure they can, um, but it's going to take some time. And that's my biggest argument with the company is not that, you know, I, I don't want them to fold. I don't want them to go out of business. I think it's healthy to have two companies, but just don't tell me all day long about how great they are. Just be honest. They still have a ways to go. Um, a couple of other good things. Um, I thought that the whole Jake Roberts and Archer uh, thing, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it's good to see Jake Roberts doing well. Lance Archer, uh, he looked like he was pretty charismatic. Um, Cody Rhodes, um, I'm going to have some good and bad for Cody. Cody performed well. He defended the TNT Championship against Jungle Boy. Um but it ain't going to last long, man. Like, I get what Cody's trying to do. He's trying to prove that he's super committed and he's super about AEW and he's super about everything that's going on in the company and he's willing to sacrifice everything for the company. I get it. But you don't have to bleed in every match, Cody. You don't have to jump off of the Titan Tron and do a backflip through a table in every match because a couple of things are going to happen. A, you're going to get hurt. It's inevitable. You're going to get hurt. B, whenever you bleed in every match, it, it lessens the effect of when blood is necessary in a match. Also, when you go through a table in every match and get hit with barbed wire in every match, 
it lessens how spectacular that is whenever you need to get that effect. I thought Cody Rhodes' match with Jungle Boy was incredible on Wednesday. I didn't think that that match needed to be on regular TV. It's too good a match. I mean, he went th from the top rope, through a table, onto the hard floor. He bled like a pig. If you're going to do those things, save them for when people are paying to watch you. We don't need to see that every single time you perform because at some point you reach a level to where you can't top it anymore physically without severely injuring yourself. So I thought the performance was good, but I don't think that we need to see that every single time. It's okay to take a quote-unquote night off and just have a regular seven-minute match and you know go over somebody. It's okay. You don't always have to go to the extreme because at some point, and this hurt ECW as well, at some point, you can't back it up anymore. Your entire roster is going to be beat up. Your entire roster is going to be hurt, and there's nowhere else to go. So I think that if AEW gets more star power, I would be more intrigued. I'm going to continue now. I'll admit this. I, I went from not watching the product really hardly at all to now I'm going to flip through it on Wednesdays, and I'm going to you know DVR it and, and go through it because I was entertained enough to want to come back. But until they give me more stars, until they give me a, a more diverse roster, I'm not going to label this as good as WWE and nor will anyone else in America. And that's the reason why the ratings are where they are. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, well, before we sign off, I'll give the show five and a half stars out of ten. I thought it was decent. I thought it was better than decent. Low end, pretty good. Um, but all the commentary that I see every week about how this is reinventing the territory system and it's better than WrestleMania 3 and nah man it ain't that it's just good solid wrestling the reason why you guys think it's better than that is because of most of what WWE's doing isn't any good so it does look pretty good at times compared to that um I'm gonna sign off here I want to thank our guests I want to thank DJ Rhett I want to thank Wendell Curall thanks to everybody for listening stay safe stay stay dry socially distance if you got to go to Walmart don't wait until the last minute man go today Go tomorrow early. Uh, the weather's going to blow in, and it's going to be kind of a rough and windy weekend. We're going to be on um, the Internet and posting stories throughout the weekend. If there comes a time where podcasting becomes convenient and we could get out information that way, I'm not opposed to hopping on the mic and interviewing you know, Archie Chasson or whoever we've got to interview to get information out there. But for the time being, stick to LaFoucheGazette.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe here. It's been another good show. We thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend. Stay dry. Stay safe. All that good stuff. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. <music>